although he's not the biological father, he's every bit part of, of this family. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Felicity Harley McGowan, Research Associate and Lecturer, and Bruce Gordon, Titus Street Professor of Ecclesiastical History. They're discussing Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, which is appointed for the fourth Sunday in Lent in year A. Here's the text. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. I love the strength with which Joseph comes forward out of this passage in a way that we don't have the opportunity to see in in the other Gospels. And in reading the passage again, was quite ashamed of myself in forgetting that that Joseph has his own angelic annunciation. And and it's a beautiful moment to to revisit this and be walked through this dream with him. You know, the passage begins in quite a prosaic fashion. In my mind, Joseph comes forward in in such a strong and and almost vigorous way in passage that also is is pleasing in a sense that it returns Joseph to a prominence that I think if we consider the artistic representations over time, to be sure there are representations of of this dream and very early on, even by the 5th century in the Church of Santa Maria Maggiore in Rome, very prominently Joseph in the mosaic is shown standing and the angel addressing him and it's adjacent, a scene that's adjacent to, to Mary having her own annunciation. So it's a very prominent his and her kind of situation and yet somehow we over time lost this moment. In my experience, I guess other people may have other experiences of the way in which the passage has been part of their own imagination of of the conception and birth of Jesus. But it's a, it was a great thing for me to revisit this and to have the imagery emerge afresh in my mind of Joseph's strength and also in this different social 
context where he is the father, he is the husband of of Mary. There's not this question of, as we have in some cultural or, or social contexts, that if you're not the biological father, then you're somehow of lesser status. Joseph is is here in the picture, in the frame, in in a, a very strong way that I found quite striking in revisiting the passage. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's, there's a lot about Joseph here, which is which is interesting. And, and for me, reading this passage again, I, I picked up on a few things that I'd never really thought of before. Yes, we, we know that he, you know, decides to divorce quietly and then the dream reveals to him what he could not have, have known. It, it, it strikes me that we, it's a very sympathetic portrayal of Joseph. Mm. He, is, he starts out the passage as the wronged person. He's in a way he's in he's got the sort of moral high ground here because he's been he's been wronged. He could actually make a scene out of this. True. Uh, we don't I don't know exactly what could have happened if, if he exposed you know what would appear to be Mary's uh, you know, adulterous relations or, or whatever people might have taken it to be. And yet he chooses a different path and he, he does so before he knows the story. Mm. So you know, he, he comes across as a good guy. He does. Uh, here. It's in a way then not surprising that, you know, that this as the story f- unfolds with, with the dream, he's very much made part of the story. He's a person who is righteous before he's even had the visitation of the angel. And much as as we, you know, of Mary, you know, why is, is Mary favored? But the dream is 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 fascinating. Mm-hmm. I was really struck this time by how much he's told. That's right. He's told virtually everything in, in the dream about what has taken place with Mary, how she has conceived, and that he will have a son. And so there's, you know, this is the kind of reveal party of the story. He's told what's going to happen. And he's even told what they're to name this this child and, and what the name is going to mean. And and so almost he's given more information than Mary is in, in, in the Annunciation. He's, he's given the complete story. And so just as you say, he's, he's brought into this. He's made a central figure of this, although he's not the biological father. He is every bit part of, of this family. That's right. And that he is part of, of the revelation and he's going to play a, a role in it. And, and I think it's, it's also important that this is a dream. You know, that uh, the angel doesn't just appear to him during the day. He appears, or she with the, appears in a dream. And it makes us think of how important dreams are mm-hmm. in the Bible. We we often think of dreams as being a time of irrationality and, and or even of fear. And certainly the history of dreams is that they were a time that could be moments of, of great anxiety. But the Bible reminds us that they are also moments when God speaks to us. And God has chosen at various points through the Bible to use dreams. And certainly this is in my own period in the, in the 16th and 17th century, there was deep interest in the way in which God spoke through dreams. Mm-hmm you know, something that is is very much revived later with the rise of psychiatry. But certainly dreams were not seen as simply 
irrational, although they could be a time in which darker forces could be at, at, at play. But there was a belief that the, the Bible shows to us that dreams can be a moment of epiphany, of revelation. That's right. That's what I was, I was just thinking. There's a vehicle of revelation. And I think that the, the force of that here with this repetition of, of call, you know, we have three times here, you call him... Jesus, his name, the thrice element has an additional force in a sense of not directing Joseph against his will into a, a line of, of action that will happen, but it seems of this very steady unraveling of, of what will happen and of Joseph's pivotal role in this. The dream does operate at an important level to underscore mm-hmm. that, I think. Yeah. There's, but there's also a, a kind of open-endedness to the to the this dream moment, because he's told about Mary and what has happened and that this is actually a wondrous thing. He's told that there will be this child where we will hear about, you know, the language that we're so familiar with at Christmas of of Emmanuel, the God with us. But the story stops there. He's not told what's going to happen with his son or what's going to unfold. That story is still to come. This notion of that God is with us, but it's kind of left there. You know, stay tuned for what's going to happen because it's not. That's not revealed at no, this point. No, it's his character in a sense and and obedience. Yeah, he he knows that there will be this very special child, but he's not told what that child will do. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Professors Harley and Gordon, for your insight on Matthew. For more Bible study resources, check out YaleBibleStudy.org. Videos, study guides, discussion questions, it's all free. That's YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, Associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer, Helena Martin. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.